Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions, visit us on the web, www.theporchchurch.tv. Well, good morning. How are we all doing this morning? You're so resoundingly confident in that answer. You ever feel like you get stuck in a rut? You know what I mean? Like day in, day out, you kind of do the same nine to five, same kind of schedule thing, especially like on Sunday morning, right? You have a pretty predictable outcome to the service. Usually we do one song and then I stand up here and give some announcements. Then we do a couple more songs then I teach for a little bit. And uh, I don't want to do that today. That's not all right. So instead, we're going to flip this thing on its head. So you're in the message right now. Can you believe it or not? Uh, So we're going to spend a little bit of time up front here, and we're going to set the stage for the rest of our time together, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, hopefully giving us the opportunity maybe to practice a little bit what we're preaching about. So we're going to talk about worship today, spoiler alert, uh, and so we're going to get to that here in just a second. But we've kind of been building this case over the last couple weeks. We've been talking about this particular section in the book of Acts, where the early church kind of kind of sets these foundational principles for itself, how it governs itself, what it devoted itself to. And we've been drawing some principles to those, not only to how we staff and structure and how we build this local church, but also how we build the foundation of our lives on godly principles. And so today we're going to take a launching point from this early text into the worship uh, of ours today. So let's go ahead and refresh that. We're in Acts chapter 2. Verse 42, here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So today we're going to zoom in on that phrase, praising God. This was one of the actions that they did, one of the things that they were perhaps devoted to, this idea of praising, of giving God glory, of coming together in a corporate sense. But last week was a lot more fun of a week. We talked about food. Maybe you recall that and how food is more than food and life is more than being just alive and how church, right, this shared experience that we have is really more than just coming together for an hour a week. And so today I want to go a little bit deeper into that thought, into that concept, right? Why do we do this? Why do we create this atmosphere around this shared experience? Why do we put the pieces in place the way that we do? We've talked about why we teach and why we share a message, but why is so much of our time devoted to worship, to singing songs, to praising God? You may really like that about a worship service. That may not be something that you like about worship service, but we're going to talk a little bit more about its place and why that it's there. Last week we talked about grace, though. Remember, we talked about that prayer that we say before meals, right, to kind of bless the food. And just as there's more to grace than that simple prayer, I think that there's more to this idea of worship as well, right? We said that grace before a meal kind of takes the opportunity that we have before us to take something that's normal, that's very mundane, right? We eat three meals a day usually. And so when we pray, when we say grace before the meal, we're inviting something spiritual into our very normal experience. Do you guys remember talking about this? 
That worries me, but that's okay. We're going to keep going. I remember it, but I was heavily involved in it. So, um, but today I, I want to make this, we're going to go back to like uh, when you took the ACT or SAT. We're going to do some comparisons, right? So I want to say this, that saying grace to food, saying grace is to food as worship, the slide says church, I apologize, as worship is to life. As grace is to food, so worship is to life. What do I mean by that? I'm so glad that you asked, right? Grace is that little reminder before our meal that the food that we have before us is not just food, right? That there's more that we have. And while we may have worked and provided and gone to the store and we may have cooked it, there is still a profound gratefulness that we show to God by saying, no matter how much work I put into it, I can't grow food without the systems and structures that you've put in place. I can't eat and my body can't absorb the nutrients without you having wired it just so. And so no matter what, as we go through this, this normal everyday experience, there is a profound sense of there being something spiritual, of there being something deeper. And so we say grace before we eat a meal to acknowledge God's working behind the scenes. Worship, this opportunity that we have to come together, is the same thing to our life. As the same thing as we walk through life, there are two different ways to look at life, right? That, the, that life is simply just a sum of its parts, that, uh, that air plus oxygen plus food equals life, right? There's mathematical reasons to why we are here. There's a reasonable explanation that proves why life is the way that it is. The other side of that coin is all of the systems and structures and places that we simply don't understand, those places where perhaps logic or reason fails to explain what is going on. And so as grace kind of brings the spiritual into our food, so worship, so this opportunity to come together, to come together corporately before God sets our life in proper order before God, to recognize that while I can explain so many things, right, we live in the age of scientific rationalism, right, we can explain so many things that happen, how our bodies work, how the earth works, how all those types of things happen, and yet there are still the inexplicable pieces of our world. And so when we worship, when we come before God, it is to express that profound gratefulness for those things that we do and do not understand, right? In other words, there's a way to explain life that makes complete rational sense, and there's a way to explain life that makes zero sense whatsoever, and worship is this opportunity to simply bring ourselves before something inexplicable and to express, I don't understand how all of this works, but I'm here because I recognize you in it. So sometimes we call that worship. Sometimes we call it church. We call it being grateful, an attitude of gratefulness. And so we see that the early church devoted themselves to praising God in this capacity, right? To these really important things. And we saw that they created this attitude of awe and wonder within them, this gratefulness that they kept going forward on. So they shared meals together. And in the midst of that, they praised God. Again, not just before a meal, not just at grace, but this became a lifestyle for them. Their life was so beautiful, so inexplicable, the grace that they had received, the goodness of God as they came to understand who Jesus was and what his sacrifice meant to them, that their expression of that, their response was that of worship. And so the model that's laid before us is to be so mindful of God's working in and around and through us that we cultivate this attitude of gratefulness, this attitude of worship. Food is a microcosm, and we talked about that last week, and today we're just making it bigger to 
say not only are we grateful in those spaces, but we can be grateful in every space of our life as well. Now, there's one problem kind of with this term worship, and that's that it's a very, it's a very churchy word, right? Have you ever used the term worship and like not referred to this, right? Like there's, it, it's kind of an unused word in our society. And so I got to thinking, right, when we say worship, what do we think of? I think of music, right? The songs in a church service, this is worship, right? That's what we're, not like this, this is just me talking, right? But like the music part, right, that's, that's the worship piece. And so what do you think that though our, our coworkers, right? Somebody who wasn't raised in our belief system, in our, in our structure, people who wouldn't understand what that term is, what, is, what does worship mean outside of this experience? If you had no concept for worship in this term, how would it appear in your language? What picture would come to mind? What emotions would that word worship evoke? And so I, I found this clip, and this is maybe as close as I can see or project or look at something that is devoid of what we're talking about here, and yet at its most fundamental level, pictures worship, at least as I perhaps see it from an outsider's perspective. The clip is old, and so I apologize about that, but I think you'll get the point. Let's take a look. YouTube's terrible. <clears throat> Help me out. What did we see there? I know we're off base, so we might as well have some Q&A this morning, right? So what, what did you see? Worship. Interesting. Was it because that they were singing songs together? What was the worship then? What was that? Sure, we can go that direction. I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan, so I don't want to disrespect the king of pop. But yeah, I think that there's a huge, there's a huge piece of that, right, that we can say is, is from our lens, from our perspective, that we would say that's false worship. I agree with you. What else do you see? A demonstration of love. Somebody else over here? Devoting spiritual energy. Interesting. Love, spiritual energy. Love both of those concepts, right? There's, there's a piece of this worship thing 
that is a response to an internal feeling, right? We'll just say the word love or adoration, right? Or praise that is welling up from within side that we see people on a screen literally fainting, right? They're weeping in the presence of a person who is on stage, right? A larger-than-life person for sure, right? Michael Jackson, we can all understand that piece, but there's something that there's something that's happening inside of them that is is intangible, right? It's, it's an, it's an overexpression. There's so much going on inside of them that their response is worship, right? Their response to this feeling inside this, perhaps this overwhelming sense of adoration or love or respect, or they're so moved that their response is one of worship. Again, we can all identify it on the screen and now transpose that to our Sunday morning experience. Is it the same or are we talking about something different? I was speaking with a friend recently and we were talking about this kind of subject about worship and music and concerts and, and, and he made the comment to me, I want to make sure that I say it right, he says, I'm, I'm uncomfortable in worship because sometimes it feels like a concert. I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable in worship, I don't, I don't quite feel connected there because sometimes it feels like I'm just showing up at a concert. And in that moment, as we were talking, I said, huh, that's interesting. See, I feel uncomfortable at a concert because it feels too much like worship. And we talked about that for a while, but I just thought that was so profound, right? I'm uncomfortable at a concert because I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I don't. Like, I, I, when I'm in worship, I know what to do with my hands. I know what I'm there to do. But when there's a guy on the stage, it feels a little different to me. And that's not to say that he's wrong and I'm right. Like, that's not the point. The point, though, is that we have these feelings that are inside of us and they elicit a response. They elicit us to respond to them, whether it's a musician on stage who's playing that song that we love and we feel so connected to it and to them that we can't help but but have adoration or praise spring up. But by the same token, when we're in church worshiping, this should be a similar correlation. Are you with me? So what is worship then to us? Worship, I think, for just a simple, a simple definition for us this morning is that worship is a response of adoration. This is what worship entails. This is what it is. And I think that that fits kind of in our secular video that we showed up on the screen. And I hope that it applies to our experience here as well. It's like the grace for our lives. It reorients us and it gives us the privilege of recognizing God in the midst of our everyday, ordinary, normal tasks. It gives us the opportunity to become a spiritual experience, to receive the redemptive nature of Jesus Christ in the common ordinary and everyday things that come into contact with us and orient us to God. See, worship is a response of adoration, but it's also about transforming our response to the stimuli of the world around us and for our life to become one of adoration to God. Paul says as much in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is a familiar verse to you, I'm sure. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper 
worship. If you've heard other translations, it may say your spiritual act of worship. In other words, our response to all of God's mercy, all that Jesus did for us for his salvation, his death on the cross, for us making a way to be with God, that our reasonable response, the thing that we ought to do is to live our lives in such a way that conveys a worship to God, an adoration for him. And just as grace is a more robust concept than simply saying a prayer before a meal, right? Grace has all kinds of undertones and overtones. It is not simply the phrase that we say before we eat. Grace is a big, theological, beautiful concept. And yet it's also the prayer that we pray before a meal. So worship is not just the sum of the songs that we sing together. Worship is something greater and bigger and grander than that could ever express. Worship is a response of adoration to all that God has given us for his enduring love, for his sacrifice that he sent in Jesus. And our response, our spiritual action then ought to be a response of adoration unto him, a pouring out of our lives because saying grace is more or because grace is more than simply saying grace and so worship is more than simply the songs that we sing but just because worship means more than singing doesn't mean that singing isn't a re- a real response to what worship is so why do we do why do we do this why do we devote the majority of our time when we gather together to the singing of praises, to singing songs? Why is worship such a big part of, of the church experience? Why do we spend so much time doing this? Because there's something so powerful about a group of people coming together to bear witness to who God is in their individual lives, and then to saying as a corporate community, not only is this what he means to me individually, but this is where we find commonality. This is where we find unity in a world that is so divided among stances that have us to the right or to the left or whatever is going on, but this one piece, who God is, what he's done for for us and my response to him is where we can come together and be united if only for one hour on Sunday. But it hints at something so much more than that, that we can actually carry this worship attitude, this adoration, this reverence with us in and throughout our week. So let's then ask the question together, what has God done for us? What is our response? In other words, if God is the prime actor in your life, if God has to do something in order for us to have a response, then think about for a moment your individual relationship with God. Whether you take that from your Bible knowledge, from experiences when you were young, maybe it's something that you're going through right now and you're walking side by side, hand in hand with God. What is God doing in the midst of your life? Life, what do you have to be grateful for, right? We talked about food and Thanksgiving last week, and the same is true, right? That when we come to Thanksgiving, everybody's got to say what they're thankful for, right? You go around the table, and you don't want to be the guy who's like, I'm not really thankful for anything. It's kind of been a bum year, you know what I mean? You can just pass me. I'll come back to it, right? Don't be that guy at Thanksgiving, please, right? Your wife will thank me. So when you come to church, what is that thing that we can be grateful for? I'm not saying that we always see the sunshine and roses of our life. I'm just saying that when we come into God's presence, can we be grateful? Can can we have the opportunity to reorient our week, to set down our burdens, and to say, last week was the worst week imaginable, but I'm thankful that God is still 
God, but I'm thankful that in the midst of the bad thing that I'm going through, that God's teaching me about myself, that God's teaching me about resilience or about his grace or about his provision. And in this time where life is tough or where I'm going through this particular situation, I can still cultivate a response that is one of adoration, of thankfulness, of gratefulness for what God is doing in my life. Right, This adoration, this love that comes up from within us is also expressed in inexplicable terms. Right, Let's just talk about love between spouse for a second or falling in love. Right, There have been centuries worth of poems and literature and music and things that are composed to try and translate this thing that's going on inside our heart, this feeling that we feel, and into something that we can communicate to another human being. Right? So we have this opportunity, we have this laid out before us that the way that love kind of portrays itself is through trying to express itself. Right? It tries to, to burst forth in song and poetry. Uh, I'm sure that we could all share a story of when we were falling in love, something stupid that we did. Right? Are you with me? Fine, I'll tell you a story, right? When I was dating my wife, we weren't even dating yet. She was dating somebody else. And, uh, and we were working together at a movie theater, and there was a song at the end of the movie that I was like, I kind of like that song. It's a good song. It's a song by an artist by the name of Enya. Anybody know Enya? Melissa burned me four CDs. Four CDs of Enya because I said casually, hey, I like that song. That's weird, Right? Like straight up. And she knew it. She owned it to this day. You can ask her after the service. But the point was that she did something inexplicable because she felt something inside of herself that she had to express. And for her, while it might not have been poetry, it was burned CDs, but the point remains that something happens inside of us that we then have to try and explain. We have to try to convey. We have to bring this thing that we're feeling inside to the outside. Again, and if worship is a response of adoration, just as our adoration for our spouse or someone that we love in our life, then we see that throughout the centuries that people have responded to their understanding of God through praise, through worship, through song. There's an entire book in the, New, or in the Bible uh, that's the largest book in Scripture that is completely songs and poems and hymns. And just one author or one group of people who are trying to express all that they believe about this God who delivered them from slavery, who redeems them, who saves them, who's got a plan to give them a hope and a future. And their response is, we can't put it into words. We just have to sing about it. We can't simply tell the story. It's not just factual, but there is an emotional response that that has to be birthed from this experience. And so the response is worship. And I would argue that that's the place that it holds for us as well, that we would have the opportunity to convey our worship, our understanding of this great thing that God did, and that it would come bursting forth from us. So you know what's next. We're going to worship. <laughs> and let me just set the stage for that a little bit, right? So often we think that, you know, where there's certain forms or places that we have to follow, and I just want to give you freedom and permission to embrace whatever needs to be embraced in this moment. Some of us love the music part of church. Some of you show up for that reason, and you're bored with me, and that's okay. I can take that. Oh, good, you are there. I'm happy. Right, but some of us go, no, I, I, the worship is what I'm here for, and that's great. Some of you are going, I just endure the worship so that we can have an actual conversation about faith. Regardless of where you're at on that paradigm, I just want to encourage you that you have this moment then to think 
about what your response is to God. It can be meditative for you. You can sit in your seat, not standing at all, and just think and percolate on the goodness of God in your life, how thankful you are for him in this season, and never hum a note. You might be the opposite, and, and your response to God is one where I can't sit still. I have to stand. I have to raise my hands. I have to sing at the top of my lungs because I'm so grateful for all that God has given me, for all that he's done for me. That's appropriate as well. You may want to leave your eyes open to partake in and to experience the divine reality that God has given you, or you may want to close your eyes to simply reverently be in his presence, not distracted by anything else. You may want to hear the music and be pulled into an attitude of worship. You may want to take a walk. Let me just tell you, right, you've got about 30 minutes or so where I've got your kids taken care of, okay? Lunch is going to happen eventually. The Broncos don't play till later. You've got a half an hour breath in your week here, and I just want to give you space to breathe. I want to give you space to, to breathe God in, to recognize the work that he's done in your life, his provision for you, whether it's something big and miraculous that you would be praising him about today, or whether it's the fact that you're here and up and taking another step Today, Whatever it is, there's this opportunity to be grateful for all that God has given us. And I simply want to challenge us today to internalize that question. So what then is your response to what God has done for you? What is your response? What do you do because of all that God has already done? Whatever that response is, properly phrased, is worship. It can be music, it can be singing, it can be going for a walk, it can be sitting silently, but whatever it is, you have an opportunity to just take half an hour of uninterrupted time for you to speak with God, for you to hear from Jesus, for you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and confirm something that he's been saying in your life or to challenge you or push you in some area, and I just want to shut up and let you worship God as a response to who he is in your life. That's it. That's simply the message that I have for us today because worship is something that we do in response to God. So let me just pray for us for a moment and then we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning worshiping. Heavenly Father, God, I am so mindful of all that you do for us. God, there are so many things that we recognize your hand in and your place in that we recognize the work that you do in God and we want to praise you for that today. God, there are so many areas of our life where perhaps we take for granted the things that we think we understand, the systems and processes that you've put in place, and we become complacent in that. And so, God, I simply ask that you would reorient our lives to you today, that we would be reminded and encouraged by the words that you would share, by the things that you've done for us, and that, God, you would give us the space to, to cultivate a response of worship that you would give us an opportunity, God, to see ourselves properly in your view and that our response to that would simply be one of awe and wonder, that we would praise you, God, whether it be audibly or in the quietness of our soul, whether it would be with music, God, or whether it would be through silent meditation, God, whatever would happen in this moment, that you would be honored by our worship of you, by the expression of the adoration that our heart cannot contain, and so it pours out in love for you. God, if that's not natural for us, I pray that you would challenge us. I pray that you, would, that you would challenge our understanding of what our relationship is with you. 
God, if we're super comfortable there, then I ask that you would remind us of your holiness, of the proximity that we have to you and to the greatness that you are. But more than anything, God, would you simply accept our worship as our expression of our gratefulness to you? God, we have so many things to be thankful for, and would you cultivate within us, both as individuals and as a church family, God, the opportunity to come together regularly and to express our act of worship unto you. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we we mean that. That's our response to you, is that in light of all that you've done, what can we do but not love you? We're so thankful for the gift that you've given us in Jesus and for the gift of your Holy Spirit that is our guide. And now, God, would you unify those giftings together and allow us to come to a place that we can experience them fully. All God's kids said, amen. Nightly news, don't seem to find the rhythm, just want to sing the blues. Feels like a song that never stops. Feels like it's never gonna Gotta get that fire, fire back in my bones Before my heart, heart turns into stone So won't somebody please pass the megaphone I'll shout it on